How long can you hold your breath for? The best I've done is 5.15, but that, that's static. So static is where you're not moving. You're just lying on the surface and you literally relax as much as you can and then take in your final breath and then you just go into the zone. Um, that's five minutes. Five minutes, 15, yeah. Well, the world, world record is, is 11.35. So, you know, that, that's just one discipline. Fergus Callaghy can hold his breath for over five minutes. He's a freediver. Some, some people don't know what it is. If I say it's freediving, they think I'm jumping out of planes. You know, would, would be a, a common thing. Some people then would, would think it, it is, you know, it's a very, very extreme sport. And it's been described before as the most relaxing extreme sport, which I, I like. Um, and it is very relaxing. So certainly there are extremes, like, like any sport, there, there are extreme parts of it. I don't understand how, why it's not done more in Ireland. Freediving is the sport or art of diving on a single breath. For this Sligo man, however, life on dry land has been more about fire than water. When Fergus isn't freediving or teaching others to freedive, he's fitting stoves and fireplaces. So, um, he's not sure what stove he's going for yet, but um, he wants to put the flue liner in as well. Uh, they're talking about taking out the insert and putting back up the sound again. Okay. So, what sort of surround will be there? Wooden surround. Okay. Standard 36 yep. by 36 old. Okay. Inside. Day job is uh, working for the lads here. They do stoves and fireplaces. So I go out fitting stoves maybe two or three days a week. Or fitting fireplaces. And we have our stores then upstairs here as well. We can have forklifts to get stuff up and down. There's the stoves you wouldn't handball around too, too, too handy. You'd have to get them for, use the forklift to get them in now. But when you're out on site, you have to handball them at that stage. So kind of suits at the moment, I suppose, in the little kind of business that quietens down a bit in the summertime when the diving picks up and uh, hopefully at some stage the diving will keep on going through the, through the pools and all that in the, in the wintertime uh, but for the moment it's, it's a few pounds in the door It's April on the Atlantic coast the water is freezing but Fergus is in his van with a little plastic shark on the dashboard and his fins and wetsuit in the back. In a month's time, he'll travel to Egypt to attempt a personal record 50-metre dive, meeting with some of the best freedivers in the world. But for the moment, he's diving in Sligo. When did you first learn how to swim? Um, I suppose my parents would have always encouraged... As a family, we used to go to... It was actually the, the local secondary school, Summerhill College... Um, have a swim pool. I think it's closed since. But as a family, we used to we used to go there every Sunday um, and splash around, I suppose. And it was always something that was looked forward to. And I would have got a couple of lessons here and there. Um, wouldn't have been any great shakes. I think I, I, I went to to Mosley with the community games at one stage, but I was I was a sub on the team. I don't think I actually got to swim there, but I got to go there, I suppose. So this is Mullockmore Harbour. And so this is my place to dive. So we get geared up and get wet. After swimming as a kid, Fergus took up scuba diving. By the time he turned 30, he was looking for a new challenge. People told him it was dangerous, but he gave free diving a go. Seven years later, he's hooked, qualified as an instructor and pretty much the face of freediving in Ireland. Mullockmore is one of his favourite places to dive. It's very cheap in the winter now, I'll make up my lube. 
uh, and a small bit of hair conditioner into it, and then have a flask of warm water, <laughs> which is very civilized. What's that for? Just to, to lube, lube up the wetsuit before I get into it. So the freediving suits have a kind of a smooth skin or an open cell um, interior that you can't put on dry. So my suit is probably still wet from the last day. Um, so it just means that you can slide into it and it stays firmly on you then. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable than doing it obviously with warm water than it is doing it with, with cold water. So literally, I just kind of when I'm ready to get into the suit, I just spray a little bit of this down first, and then kind of slide into the suit. Wetsuit, fins, weights, mask, snorkel—it sounds like a lot of gear. Because they're diving on a single breath, however, freedivers don't have to carry noisy scuba equipment. Losing those tanks and bubbles means they can get closer to marine life. Freediving has also helped Fergus overcome another problem. I was about 17 and a half stone weight at the time, so I would have been a good bit overweight. Uh, now, I used to, I'm a big enough guy, so I used to carry it well. If I said to someone I'm 17 and a half, they wouldn't have believed me. They would have said, no, you look more like 15. I used to carry it fairly well, but I knew I was 17 and a half, and 20 was well within sight. <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't coming down the way. Um, and when I started getting more into the freediving, it, it certainly wasn't the first or second. It was probably on the third course. I said, you know, the kind of weight is holding me back here. So I started be admiring what the human body can do more so and that, that I was actually not inflicting any, any harm on myself, but that I wasn't giving myself the best chance. So at that stage, I decided, right, you know, it's time to lose some of the pounds. Today, Fergus is 13 and a half stone and in good shape at six foot. Again, I just have a sequence, a bit of a spit in the mask. Hang on, just put that over my neck and the snorkel down behind my back. So I've less to carry in my hands. I just have to carry fins and camera in the in the back. And last thing on is the, the watch or the computer. Um, if it was very cold, I'd put on the gloves, but it's just only 8 degrees. So. <laughs> Fergus gets into the water from a pontoon under Ben Bulban and starts breathing up for his dive. But how is it possible to hold his breath for so long? Okay, three, three phases to, to holding your breath is what they would normally say. So the first couple of seconds can be quite pleasant, you know, even if people did that, you know, and just held the breath. The first couple of seconds are fine. And usually after 30 or 45 seconds, you, you'll get a, an urge to breathe. And it's literally just your, your, your mind saying, you know, you need to start breathing again. And once people get over that and actually hold beyond that, then it gets quite peaceful again. You know, it's, it's surprising, but it gets very, very peaceful. There are some people into freediving purely to see, to challenge themselves and to go as deep as they can. And as soon as they get to that depth, they turn around and come back up. And that's, that's about the experience of going up and down. And that's a part of what I do as well. But really, if it's a Sunday morning, I'm going to dive in for myself. Um, I don't really care what depth I'm hitting or I'm not hitting. It's more about, you know, did I chill out with the fish or, you know, what did I see kind of thing. And it's, it's nearly always a surprise. You, you know, you just, you just don't know what you are going to see. Of course, there's a lot more to it than just chilling with the fish. Freedivers talk about a dive reflex, inherited from our marine ancestors. 
Through his relaxation and breath-holding techniques, Fergus has actually trained his body to behave like a seal's or a dolphin's underwater. His metabolism decreases. His consumption of oxygen lowers. His heartbeat slows far below the average resting pulse of 75 beats per minute. We went to Sligo Hospital to see just how dramatic this dive reflex can be. actually scare me. <laughs> He's really dropped down to 33 there. You're unbelievable. Uh, you're a fit guy. You're starting off around 52 on this occasion. Okay. You dropped down to 33. Heart rate started at 70 beats per minute. 53 beats per minute. 50 beats per minute. 47. 44, 41, 36, 34, 31 and stopping, okay? Okay, lads, this machine here doesn't like anything less than 31, it cuts out the beat per minute. See, look at my, oh, look, look at my screen? Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, if I went back there, you can obviously see this RR. But at 31, it cuts out, it just can't detect it. The, obviously, the longer, he's trained his lungs over time to be very, very efficient, you know, to be able to take in a huge capacity. He's got a massive capacity there. Um, as regards respiratory physiology, you know, he have a volume, and he's got a large volume. He can, you know, uh, take in that amount of air and then distribute it. He, sure, he yeah. knows where to drop off. Like I was cutting him off at 31 beats a minute, but perhaps he could go to 25. But our A, our machine won't like it, and B, I won't like it. But <laughs> it, 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 it is possible. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's no doubt between Sean Kelly disciples, his heart rate be 25, 27. It is yeah. possible. But we don't know the long-term effects of that. Like uh, Some of the super fit guys end up getting pacemakers. Yeah. You know, yeah, not to scare yeah, you or anything, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, your heart, yeah. it, it really is, yeah. you're, you're pushing it to the limit. Sure, you're yeah. pushing your heart and your lungs to the limit, yeah. you know, which is great, you know. Uh, so, as regards being uh, cardiovascular fit, this is a good ma- example of a man who is cardiovascular fit. But cardiovascular fitness and an ability to hold your breath underwater aren't the only challenges facing freedivers. As they dive, water pressure starts to squeeze on air cavities in the ears and sinuses. That pressure needs to be equalised by blowing against a pinched nose, for example, to avoid pain and injury. But the deeper you dive, the harder equalising gets. You can equalise pretty much all the way down to using around the 30 mark and then there's a different type of equalising that, that you do. Some people call it the mouthful. Well, basically, you're trying to get more air up to your to your ears, if you like, because your lungs are at, at 30 meters. You've kind of four bar of pressure acting on it. Your lungs are very very small at this stage, um, and the volume of air in them is very very small. Most of Fergus's dives are shallower than 20 meters, where he's swimming to get close to the underwater life. But depth is a draw too. This summer, he hopes to dive deeper than he's ever been. In order to do that. He's going to have to nail those deep equalisation techniques. The deepest dive I've done is, is 40 metres and it was it was challenging. There's, there's techniques to it and it's a case of practising those and practising those. And I'd like to go a little bit deeper than that. I have 50 in my head that I'd like to try and get to. I'm not all that worried if I don't get to it, I have to say. But it's something I would like to, to achieve at the same time. 50 metres. That's two lengths of the average swimming pool in depth. And back again. To get to that kind of level, serious focus is going to be required. 
as I learn at one of Fergus's freediving classes in Monachmore. <laughs> Just pull down the dive line nice and slowly. Make sure you're equalizing on the way down. When you get to the bottom, which is just at like four and a half, five meters, just hold on there. Fergus is on a mission to get more Irish people into the ocean. After qualifying as an instructor, he set up a new business in Sligo, Freedive Ireland. Slowly but surely, his pool, relaxation and open water classes are growing. I mean, again, I didn't know what kind of reaction I was going to get when I came back up and said, I'm now an instructor and I'm now going to start teaching people. Um, but I mean, I got a couple of people under the wing and that, that was, was nerve-wracking doing my first, first course. I mean, I have to say, um, I really, really enjoyed it, but it was nerve-wracking, you know, to see, you know, these people think I'm good enough to teach them. Great. Well done. It's really cool. It's, it's different to, to being in the pool when you're, when you're down there, there's the pressure. You have to worry about your ears and stuff, but uh, for the first time, that was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to get back down again. And I get a real buzz out of that. You'd nearly feel bad taking money off them at the end of the day. Like, I still do it. <laughs> I still take the money. But I do feel like I've, I've really done something for it. And I'd really hope then that if they get into it, that A, they're spending more time in the ocean and that they're, they're now into it and they're hopefully they're spreading the, the gospel according to Freedive and uh, more around the world or more around Ireland. After their dive, the class is back indoors, talking freediving techniques. So very, very similar, guys. The, the square duck dive is the most common. It's the one we're going to use most of the time. But literally, if you, you see the, the arms point downwards first, if you start kind of kicking along the way, so you get a little bit of momentum, and then as the, dive, the arms point, point down, that's automatically going to kind of go a little bit of a leverage for the, the head to fall forward. Once you fall forward, then the legs go perpendicular pull with the arms and, and you're, you're going straight down hopefully and again you don't start kicking until uh, your, your feet are completely underwater. Then it's yoga mats on the grass outside for a relaxation session. Just try and make sound, make use of the different sounds, there's guys moving kegs, there's guys lifting boats, they're all wondering what you're doing lying out here in the grass so just try and use the backstory and see where your mind goes with this. Meditation and relaxation are absolutely key to the freediver's focus, to getting in the zone before a breath hold dive. On the courses, that's the overriding thing that people come back to, or one of the overriding things that they come back to. The first thing would be they wouldn't believe what maybe they've seen fish-wise and things like that, but um, they really enjoy the relaxation part of it. So it's literally only me um, talking to them as they're, as they're relaxing and letting their mind wander. Now your eyelids are becoming heavy, Gently lower them and keep them closed. We don't do that in Western society. We're, we're constantly, if, if we're relaxing, we're either reading a book or we're watching TV or we're going out for a few drinks or something like that. But we rarely, if ever, sit down and say, I'm just going to lie down here on this mat and think about life or, you know, not think about life as the case may be. Your eyes are closed and your breath continues to relax both your body and mind. Of course, relaxing in the Atlantic Ocean is easier said than done. That's one reason for taking the class to the nearby swimming pool. Pools are a good place to refine your stroke and to practice static breath holding, where divers literally float face down in the water, raising their fingers in a signal to their buddies that they're okay. I really want you to talk to your buddies. Tell them... When, they, when you get a signal, that's a nice, good, clear signal. I got, you, got that signal. 
you look nice and relaxed. I know it's going to feel a little bit strange at the beginning, but it's going to build up a little bit of a relationship. We'll be swapping people around throughout the weekend. You won't be with the same buddy. So just get used to it. It really, really makes a difference when you're underneath the water there that you know that person, you've built up some kind of a rapport with them, and they have your best interests at heart. And it gives you another little bit longer. Lastly, when you come back up, don't be too quick to give the OK signal. Come back up, get your breath. So the first breath in is, is an exhale, a small one, and then as much air as you can get in. Get breathing normally, then turn to your buddy, mask off, and give the OK signal and say, I'm OK. All right? Five, four, three, two, one. Official top. Dive buddies are essential in freediving. The golden rule is never dive alone. You just get a signal, guys. You get a signal there, Grant? Yeah, I see it perfect, yeah. Just one finger, Grant, I didn't see it the first time. But even if you dive with a buddy, risks remain. Here I am, watching students lying face down in a swimming pool, holding their breath for up to four minutes at a time. In competition, other freedivers barrel down to extreme depths using weighted sleds. The question seems obvious. Is freediving dangerous? It can be dangerous, yeah. In the competitive end of the world, there's only one type of sport, which is no longer, or one discipline of the sport called No Limits, where people are dragged as deep as they can on a weight, weighted sled and come back up on a kind of like an air, an airlift or an airbag. And off the top of my head, like I can certainly think of three people since I've been the start of the sport that have passed away that way. And it's logistical. They've gone down over 200, 250 metres now at this stage, which is a phenomenal depth. No one can rescue you from that, that depth. And who knows down, what's down there at, at 200 metres. You, you'll be fine on your sled at 150 metres down, and then there's an underwater current, which means the line is now going at nearly 90 degrees. Uh, there could be a, a fishing net caught in a current down there, and now you're caught in the fishing net. That's why IADA, the, the world governing body, no longer recognises that. Mark, if somebody did have a blackout there, can you remember what you have to do? Um, if they have a blackout, you make sure that their head isn't in the water. You take off their goggles and blow just under the ice and then get them to breathe once they kind of come back. Yeah. Is there anything else? He's missing one thing. She can think of it anyway. For the subconscious mind, there's something very, very important and dear to us all. Huh? Remind them to breathe. Tell them to breathe. Tell them to breathe, yeah, he said that, I think, yeah. <laughs> the name. If you have the person's name, it sounds very, very superficial, but actually your name is really, really important to your, to your subconscious. So Fergus means the word to me. I know it means, I call it any <laughs> But my body and my mind, you know, has, has been living with that name since birth kind of thing. So it really does, rather than just saying breathe, 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 if you say breathe, Fergus, breathe, it just kind of kicks into the, the, the subconscious a bit more and, and that's kind of what's in, in control at, at, at the time, you know. Despite the dangers facing Fergus in his 50-metre dive attempt, it strikes me how relaxed freedivers seem before they submerge. What are they thinking as they breathe up? And how do they get themselves into that mental space? One answer lies in a special memory Fergus shares with his 11-year-old daughter, Neve. I have a day that I went surfing with my daughter and it was just probably one of those best days of your life, I think, one of the lowest. Probably, she'd probably forgotten about it a long, long time ago. Uh, but to me, it was a really, really special day. And I'd kind of relive that day and I'd kind of, you know, go through the actions of what we did from the journey there and getting the surfboards out and getting the wet gear on and going out. So that, that's one of the things that certainly does it for me. Usually when they find out that my dad's a free diver, they say, what the heck is that and stuff? Is that like... And I said, they say, is it going down with a tanker and thing? And I said, no, it's just holding your breath as long as they can underwater. 
and they say, can you do it in the sea and everything? And I say, well, yeah, that's really <laughs> the main part of it. It's like a new thing to them, so they kind of get strange, and they're like, okay, <laughs> you know. So it's pretty, like, then they finally get it. It was on Ackle Island. It was a beautiful place. Um, there was nothing momentous happened, if you like. It was just, you know, 50 years time, I'll still remember that day in particular. What do your family think about you freediving? I think they're okay with it. I suppose, you know, my mother would, would always kind of worry a little bit, obviously. I was into motorbikes before that, so she was she kind of used to worry about me. But no, I think I think they're all okay with it. They know I'm fairly sensible about it, and I'm not doing anything untoward, really. If I'm going deep, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm usually going out to somewhere like Egypt where the people are way beyond my standard and are you know well fit to to rescue me or do something to me, you know. And that's exactly where he's going. It's May, and Fergus is flying to the Red Sea Resort of Sharm El Sheikh to meet, network, and dive with some of the world's best freedivers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sharm. The local time here is just approaching quarter past five, about two hours ahead of the UK. The outside temperature is 35 degrees Celsius. In Ireland, we say Gigwich. What? Gigwich. Gigwich. Fergus is in his element. The place is swarming with students booked into freediving legend Umberto Palazzari's Blue Week. Dozens of lines are set up in the ocean for instructors and students to dive along, and there's a real international buzz by the poolside. My name is Umberto Pellizzari. I'm Italian. Uh, my name is Gillian Rutledge. I'm from Alberta, Canada. I'm Marco Nones. <laughs> I'm the owner of the Only One Apnea Center. So we're in Tower Bay and we're in, in Sharm el-Sheikh and we're using uh, Only One Apnea Center facilities as part of Blue Week with Apnea Academy that are here and Umberto Pellizzari. And I think it's, it's the ideal scenario. Like literally my bedroom is whatever. 10 metres from the, the swimming pool itself and maybe 20, 25, 30 metres from the from the sea. So it's hard to imagine a better place. You have a shaded area for white paddies like me that don't tan all that well. So at least I can sit down here in relative comfort and enjoy the heat without getting burning up. And then we have you know, places to do the re- relaxation exercises. And we can use the pool in the morning for either just swimming or for static. And we can use the sea then, obviously. And all the lines that are out there, you have so many lines that are set up for... Pelletari's Blue Week where they're using the 10 lines out on the left hand side and then we have the other 10 lines on the right hand side all kind of set to 40 metres that are, are here for all the other students and athletes that are using them you know so it's an ideal setup. you can't really ask for better Fergus loses little time hitting those lines a series of weighted ropes shooting straight down into the Red Sea and he surfaces with a big smile on his face <laughs> On his first day in Egypt, in ideal conditions, he easily hits a depth of 30 metres. Lovely. <laughs> Very nice. Nice, nice to relax. Drive. It's kind of hard to beat it. Charm is a long way from Sligo. We're just reading on the computer, 26 degrees in the water here, and we had between 8 and 9 last Saturday. So literally two days ago. <laughs> That's the only difference in it. But obviously crystal clear water helps. Again, out in Monaco Moor, um, and when you're training with the students and all that, you're, you know, on these discovery days you're only going five, six, seven, eight, nine metres at times. And on some of the other students then you could be out with maybe 15, 20 metres. So it's a while since I was kind of deep within 20 metres really, you know. 
first day back, like to fit 30 metres. Nice, nice to be back at it. Yeah, but how does it feel to be 30 metres deep? I mean, that's an extraordinary depth. It's relative. Um, it's, ex- it's an extraordinary depth for most people to get into their head, you know, like 100 feet beneath the surface. You know, you, you go see the other people around here today, like that's a walk in the park, that's like an early morning dip. Getting past the, the 35 is new, usually an issue for me. Like normally I find 35 from a, an equalisation point of view. So that'll be where the challenge will be. I know on that dive it was a minute and a half, so it was a nice long dive and it was a nice relaxing dive. So I have the, the capability of going deeper from point of view of holding my breath. Uh, and I wasn't in any way bad on the surface or something like that, that I'd pushed or something like that, so I know I could push on for longer. So it's just going to be the equalisations that are going to hold me back, if you like, you know. Watching all of these free divers in the water, some of whom have dived to over 100 metres, reminds me of the movie The Big Blue. Who is that? Mayol. Jack Mayol. Charting the rivalry between Jacques Mayol and Enzo Mallorca, it was the first time a mass audience got a glimpse of this strange sport. How is he going to breathe? He isn't. In the 1990s, another great rivalry lit up the world of competitive freediving, that of Pippin Ferrara and Umberto Pellizzari. Umberto! Meeting Pellizzari in Egypt was one of the highlights of Fergus's trip. Good, good. But also an insight into how much more to freediving there is than a desire to break records. I, I rode there many times, uh, many times, to Jacques Mayol and Enzo Mallorca, but they never answered to me. And when I, when I met them personally, I told them, hey, I rode many times. But, but you know, when you, when you start freediving, you don't start because you want to get a champion one day. You start because... You love what free diving is ma- is able to let you live. When you free dive, you know there was a writer, a French writer, a few years ago. He used to write, "When you scuba, you you dive, you scuba to watch. When you free dive, you watch inside yourself." Is a introspection, and I think this is the real meaning of free diving. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. He's a character I like. Anyway, I mean, I only met the man for a week, but I always admired him. And uh, beforehand, I, I often akin it to an average football player playing for his local team, getting to spend a week with Pele or Maradona or something like that. That's, that's you know, the only way I can put it across. The sun set on a perfect day in Egypt. Fergus was feeling good. He'd dived easily to 30 metres. He'd met his heroes. But the following morning, a problem surfaces. <laughs> A lot of pain. <laughs> the sinuses were bad this morning, these, and there's no problem in my ears, but when I come back up, if I put a microphone inside me, you'd hear the squeaking. Once you have blood in your nose and your mask and all that, you know you've done something, so it's just burst a couple of blood vessels, it's nothing too major. Fergus isn't feeling well. Surfacing from his dives, he's getting an acute pain in his sinuses. Saltwater rinses aren't helping, so he's going to try an old freediver's trick back in the shower. The netty pot. So, literally, um, the lotta or netty pot is good echo in here, is um, just like, like a teapot, but the spout starts at the very bottom. So, as soon as I tilt this tall, some of the water starts splashing out. So, basically, I've got this point up into my nose, bending down, and the water should, in theory, run through all my sinuses and come back down out the other nostril. 
one last round done. <laughs> it's, it's probably as pleasant to watch as it is to listen to, isn't it? <laughs> So at the end, it's just it's actually good that there's a, a big open shower in here, um, and that it's important to kind of have to do a big exhale out to try and dry out the nostrils afterwards as well. So I'll do another little bit on this, and then I'll, I'll switch nostril. We'll find out later on whether it's going worked or not. <laughs> After nursing his sinuses, Fergus turns his thoughts to another issue. How to equalise the pressure in his ears beyond that tricky 35 metre depth. He takes a lesson in deep equalisation techniques with Marco Nones of the Only One Apnea Centre. Okay, allora, 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 equalisations. When the, we have a sinus equalisation problem or when we feel pain in the sinus around the face, when generally when we have uh, the cold. Let the air escape. Let put down the tongue. Okay. Tongue in tea. In tea, in tea. Yeah. <laughs> if it's easy, I wouldn't open a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. That's very good. Slowly, slowly, again. The control is the key for the depth. Improving feeling, improving control, better exercise, better performance. It's not God, it's not the moon position, yeah. it's not the tide yeah. allowing yeah. you to go on that. Yeah. It's your mind and your dedication. Then you know, Fergus, what you want from your dives. Yeah, and the same. I, I, had, I had 50 in my head, but after that I don't really want to do any deeper. Just, just to be better. To better, be better, 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 and yeah. the moment in which you want, bam, you can go deeper. Are you are you feeling disappointed or bothered by the whole sinus thing? A little bit because um, I know that the, the philosophy is always you know you have to listen to your body and, and it's absolutely right and you have to respect what it's telling you. Um, it's it's all I suppose you know it's the, the one time of the year I'm going to get out here and and have some depth and have people around you that and have the facilities set up that you can push yourself a little deeper because I wouldn't get this opportunity at home to, to go as deep as this in, in uh, this easily. And with this kind of backup around you, so yeah, a little bit disappointed that way. But say la vie, that's all you can you can say about it. You know, I'm still enjoying myself. I'm still here. The sun is shining. The sea is lovely. Over the next couple of days, Fergus continues to dive with different buddies, playing with equalization techniques, rinsing his sinuses, but the pain continues. Then suddenly, out of the blue, comes a creature that brings a whole other perspective on the ocean, a manta ray. I was the first one to see it, and I just said manta and, and went. So I had maybe 15, 20 seconds on my own kind of thing. Yeah. And then everybody Everybody's came in, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah. she, but that 15, 20 seconds were yeah. precious. I have, and I have that on video, and it's perfect. <laughs> so that's great. Oh, that's, great. Yeah. that's a beautiful shot. Huh? That's a beautiful shot. It's the money shot. <laughs> Lucky boy. Check this out. Yeah. Check it out. It's literally, I suppose, the best way to describe it is, is to, like a bird flying. That's really, you know, it's, it's as if they have wings and they're, they're flapping those wings really, really slowly. Uh, and, you know, the, the movement itself is very, very slow, but the speed they're going at is quite fast. It's a bit corny to start going on about connection and all that kind of stuff with nature, but that's, that's what you feel. Fergus is on a roll. His sinuses are improving. On his last morning in Egypt, 
he gears up, walking out along the pontoon one more time. So which lines do you want to head out to? Let's see, we'll see who's on the left ones out there. There seems to be two there and two on the fourth boy. Fergus, you want to go? If I could go to meet you like after one minute. You're going free immersion? Okay. Fergus has got down. He's pulling himself down along the line. Eight meters. Ten meters. The final tug of the white before he hits the free fall. He's just sinking out slowly, slowly, slowly out of sight. With the air compressing in his body, when Fergus passes 10 meters or so, he no longer has to fin or pull to go deeper. He starts to sink. Extreme silence is probably the best way of, of describing it. That there is literally only you and your thoughts. So often you get your heartbeat coming into it and you can actually hear your heartbeat kind of begin to slow down as you get more and more into it and you get more into the dive or the dive reflex starts kicking in a bit more. It's wrong to say time stops, but it's that kind of sense that you do get. It's a little bit on the spiritual side, it's a little bit on the hippie trippy side, um, but it's, it's something I really enjoy. I still can't see Fergus. All right, okay, there he is. He's at about 20 metres again now. I kind of had it in my head before that, that I'd just go down and do a long static again at 10 or 15 metres. And then I said, sure, I got him here, I might as well head for the depth again. Coming up to 10, and the buddy is about him. If it came, I could go deeper, and that's fine. And if I couldn't get it, I'd just have to stop and turn around and come back up. <laughs> Down went and got the 44, so I was kind of happy, happy out to get that kind of thing, like, you know. I was delighted. Then you were fast on the way up. <laughs> I was nice. With my soft fins, I could barely <laughs> kick hard enough. Like, I could have got my strong arms. <laughs> on his last morning in the Red Sea, Fergus dives to a personal record depth of 44 metres, just short of his goal, but the equivalent of a 15-storey building. And back again. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good, good. Getting there. <laughs> Very good. So this is a new spot. Just a new spot. Back in Mullockmore, Fergus is putting the final touches to a new shop by the harbour, turning an old pizza place into a free diving centre. He's upbeat about his experiences in Egypt. I would say the biggest lesson I took away from it is is. To, to pull back a little bit. Um, very often on the courses I would have students who have trouble equalising for whatever reason at five or six, eight or ten metres, whatever it is. Um, and I'm constantly saying to them, look, don't worry about it. The sea is there the next day. You just have to accept it and, and move on kind of thing. And there was for a time for me to kind of do that as well. 
he'll be there with your, your stove now in a few minutes. Yeah. If, he's if, gone if he's a couple gonna, of hours. He's, he's just going to have a lot more hate. Yeah. Yeah. If the weather gets bad, he'll be back to you. Yeah. He's yeah. going to go be tomorrow. He's still working part-time with the stoves and fireplaces, but Freedive Ireland is going from strength to strength and there's lots of support in Sligo. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Greg. How are things? Good, yourself? Oh, well. Enjoying the weather out there? Oh, yeah. We had our summer three weeks ago, <laughs> that Thursday. Is it windy enough yet? We've had a few good perfect days from our perfect days. <laughs> Come on. I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible what Fergus has done in his own diving and the fact that he's bringing this now to the average Joe. When we started first, we had four old broken surfboards and a busy weekend for us was four people in a weekend. So it takes time. It takes time to get established and to get the particularly the newest of these sports and the most exciting sports like freediving. People have no idea what it is and what it entails. So he's on the way. Eight students are taking a course in the new centre. I don't think there's any such thing as the freediver's diet as such. If you go through it, it's all just a generally good diet. You try and avoid the chips that we all had there for lunch. <laughs> and Fergus is dreaming big about the future of freediving. I think the sport is going to grow. So I would like to see... Myself, I suppose, has, has been, you know, maybe in 10 years' time that it's quite a big sport and and I have at the back of my head that in 10 years' time, if it's a really big sport, I can kind of look back and say, well, you know, I, I kind of brought it to this level. Maybe not to this level, but I certainly was the spark to, to initiate it, I suppose would be a better way of putting it. The freediving community is growing worldwide. Some are diving to record depths. Others are diving inside themselves, shaking off stress, taking some of that silence and spirituality back to the nine to five. I don't go to church on Sunday because, you know, but when I free dive, you know, you follow the, the shore, the reef, you go to the bottom, you turn, you see the sunlight crossing the corals. There, I feel I want to pray. Seamless, absolutely seamless. One with water, and I know that can be cliche, but that truly, it looks like a melting into the water better than all the trucks you can imagine, I would say, essentially. <laughs> and a man who fits fireplaces by day is now firmly the face of freediving in Ireland. It's probably made me more, more relaxed on land. Whether that carries over is hard to say, but I would certainly say I'm probably more relaxed and chilled out. You know, maybe, maybe too much so, that I'm too much go with the flow and too much of, uh, you know, let's see what happens next kind of thing, you know? In my opinion, the, the best freediver out there is the, the guy with the biggest smile on his face.